So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance K. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing season four, episode 14 of The Other Way. In this episode, Osama wants to play nice to get Debbie back. Chris comes back to Columbia to avoid confrontation. Gabe is frustrated on his wedding day over the fallout of his fight with Monica. Rishi has to break the Brad news to Jen. And Danielle lays out her expectations before she lays out on a floaty. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dunces, and life lessons. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? Uh, I'm not doing too bad. Um, you know, getting getting closer. Getting closer to the end, but not there yet. My seniors this is my seniors last week, so uh, after that, so after that, smooth sailing. Right, still another two weeks, I think, for my seniors. Oh, two weeks and then final, so really technically three weeks. So yeah, but you know that East Coast thing where my seniors are done a month before that school's makes over. No sense to me, but <laughs> all right, yeah, okay. Uh, speaking of making no sense, let's just jump right into Debbie and Osama. So Osama is sitting at a cafe with his sister, Asma, who Osama thinks knows him the best. He wants to talk to her about Debbie. Osama tells Asma about the argument and frames it in a way that sounds like Debbie was just pressuring him about their future. So he just was forced to tell her that he wanted a green card. He tells us that he was angry because he was feeling pressured and he actually really loves Debbie. And what he says wasn't actually true. He says that he didn't know that when she said she was moving to Morocco that she meant forever. He doesn't have the financial means to live in Rabat, so he assumed they would move to the U.S. He says that her pushing to move to Rabat when he has no money to his name is what made him so mad because they never agreed to live in Morocco permanently. Asma says that Osama can be harsh with people he loves, so she believes that his way and wishes... Uh, like his point of view, and wishes them the best. Ozma suggests that he shows that he really loves Debbie. Osama says it's all just a misunderstanding of them moving to the U.S. He says it's not about the visa, but it's about love. He's nervous that Debbie won't actually believe him now, but he needs to apologize and hopes that she accepts that he didn't mean what he said. Debbie gets a text from Osama asking to meet up. She doesn't really want to go because she feels like he's shown his true colors. Debbie is already seeing a pattern emerging. She wants to believe that he is a good person, the good person that she knew. uh, But, you know, she has her doubts. Debbie tries to order a Texas margarita, but the server is confused. And so was I, because I don't even know what a Texas margarita is. Mm. So then Debbie then tries asking for absinthe, but her options are ultimately coffee or tea. Osama is approaching Debbie, and he makes his pleasantries. He thinks that she's sad and maybe hates him. Debbie says that she never harbors hate. He tries to justify his actions by saying that she should ignore what he says when he is angry because he just says whatever. He says he can't promise that he won't ever be mad or say terrible things again. Debbie says that it would take an act of God to win her back. Debbie feels like he's lying about his hidden agenda. She asks him why he didn't tell her about the different plan. Osama says it's pointless because she'll never believe him anyway, so he's just not going to argue it. 
He then says that she said that they were going to make documents and go to the U.S. Debbie said, right, maybe to visit her kids in the future. And Osama said, well, that was her mistake. Osama asks uh, her why she's mixing up their marriage with the plan. Debbie says that the love isn't there and she's happy that she knows that now. She believed in his love, which is why she came, and it was just conditional upon her ability to take him to the U.S. Osama tries to convince her that living in Morocco is a bad investment, and he knows his country, and art is dying there. Debbie is tired of what he has to say, and she goes, she's going to move on without him. He just says, okay, as she walks away. Debbie thinks that Osama is her worst nightmare come true. Debbie is packing up to leave. She gives some advice. Don't let your mouth write a check. Your butt can't cash. Debbie says she's tough old broad and it will take some time before she can trust again. Julian, her son, and Sandy's warnings have become a reality, so she needs to go home with her tail between her legs and come back to reality. Debbie has resolved that she is smarter and wiser and she will never talk to Osama again. She's not going to hole up, but... You know, she'll try dating again just cautiously next time. All right. So Sama said a couple of what I thought was conflicting things. Yeah. So what was your take on Osama's side of the story where, oh, you can't listen to anything that I said. Oh, no, it's your fault that, you know, you misunderstood the plan. The plan was always to go to the U.S., but you shouldn't believe that what I said because I was mad. Oh no, Osama is a liar like mm-hmm. from the from the beginning. Everything everything he says is a lie. He's not even very good at it. Like no. she's not even even remotely convinced of any of his lies this time. Mm-hmm. And um I mean like I know that people always like kind of conflate and you know kind of be like you know lying versus gaslighting and they're like what even is gaslighting? And I was right. like this. This is gaslighting. This is mm-hmm. when she was like you never told me. And he was like, well, that was your mistake that you did, that you said that. And he was like, no, it's not my mistake. And she right. was really good at, do, at, at like not letting him manipulate her into like doubting her own reality because mm-hmm. he would be like, well, no, no. The, the plan was always that we would eventually go to the U.S. And you knew that. And she was like, I did not. That was a lie. And I did not know that. Stop it. Right. Right. And we and so, know that he's lying because he said to us in the interview, oh, yeah, I, I didn't want to tell her the truth because I was afraid that she wouldn't like, you know, come over or be with me. Right. Right. And, and, I, and I do definitely have a hard time with, oh, when I'm angry, I, you know, you can't just when I'm angry, I just become. But he's basically. When I'm angry, I just become bl- so blinded with rage that I say things that. I, I, I don't mean I, like and yeah. not, not that I don't mean that are the opposite of what I mean. I don't even right. know what I'm saying, actually. And it's like, that's your cell, your cell for you should be with me is because sometimes I get angry and turn into a blind rage monster. And right. That's that's the that's the best interpretation I have right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it doesn't sound good. I mean, the one little part that I can appreciate that he said is like he's not making any promises that he won't get mad again and he won't say things that he doesn't mean again. I'm like, fair. I appreciate that tiny bit of honesty coming from Osama because, you know, if he was really, I don't know, if he's really a schmoozer like some of these guys are, no, baby, that'll never happen again. I didn't mean that. And then what I appreciate about just them as a couple is that 
Debbie, it's like, wow, I'm surprised that she is the strong person we always wish people were in this situation Uh where you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not believing your bullshit. You could say whatever the hell you want. It's going to take an act of God for me to regain your trust. And uh, we're done. Bye. And it's like, yes, finally, someone who's standing up to their lying, scummy partner and like telling them off. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely was like, wow, Debbie of all people is going to be right. the person that's going to do this. OK, no, because the other thing I really liked about what Debbie did is at the end, she knows she was having her monologue. She was talking. Mm-hmm. Did she say this was her last chance at love? No, no. she was like, <laughs> well, I, that didn't work out, but I learned my lesson and I won't do that. Make the same mistake again next time. Right. Like, But very much saying like there will be a next time, like there's yeah, going to be somebody yeah. else. Yeah, I appreciated that, too, because, you know, it was interesting because she started off even this season, you know, saying, like, I've been closed off from a relationship for, I think, something like 15 years. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that she was just like, "Okay, dating. Yeah, we'll do this again. Just like, okay, maybe like be a little bit more cautious the second time around. You're right. Like and Debbie is one of the older people that we've seen on this show so the fact that she's saying that it's like that should be a lesson to everybody else no one is <laughs> right. allowed to say anymore this is my last chance at love yeah this is uh, that's that, uh, that's the uh, we need to bury bury that trope but like i don't know uh, the osama was just like as infuriating as he always is from his oh god just I the same thing well the other thing that. is like the obvious comeback he's like well if you have somebody who when they have time to plan and think out and do mm-hmm. and 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 you know prepare about what they're going to say. They say one thing that sounds great, but then they get a little bit frustrated and they say right. so they get the opposite. Like I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because I'm not a trusting person. I'm believing angry Osama ever, over the oh, person sure. who has had chance had a chance to actually cool down and how am I going to make this right and rehearse what he's going to say. Like no, you you came out with what you really thought then. Right, and I and you could tell too that he either had given up on trying to defend his stance or he just didn't know how to defend his stance because he's like, well, if you don't believe me, oh, well. And just like his, like, just smug, like, well, this is how it is. Yeah, and very condescending way that he went about that. Like, well, if you're not going to believe me, you're not going to believe me, bye. You know, like that was super infuriating. You're like, no, I agree with Debbie, like, not only an act of God, but there needs to be like more of a humble approach to this, you know, yeah. and he he didn't at all. And it doesn't make it seem like he cares which like take it or leave it. You can either believe me or not. It's like, OK, you're trying to convince this woman you care about her, but you're like, you know, blowing it off like no big deal. You don't have to believe me. And also that it's her fault. Right. Like, she Like, oh, this is the mistake. See, this is the terrible mistake that you made. Right. Like is thinking that it's like. Yeah, maybe you were a terrible mistake, Osama. Yeah. Right. yeah. So speaking of terrible mistakes, let's go to Chris and Jamie. So God. Chris is, I guess, back in Colombia now. Um, she says she's been away for five months and uh, changes her story yet again. I know. When I first heard that, I was like, liar. Why do you keep on changing? You had the yeah. motorcycle. You had like your bank. You had your meds. Now you're like, you ran out of money. Yeah, now it's like your And now we have to things. take care of family things for the last month, even though she's been there for five months. It's, again, always changing her story. Oh, God. So she, um, things, 
she kind of knows that things aren't looking great with Jamie, but they want me to see each other in per- person because they do have a lot of things to point out, especially because, you know, when they were gone, they had a bunch of arguments and they cut themselves so deep is what she said. A lot of things cut deep. Um, so Jamie also doesn't quite know how to make this reunion with Chris. Like, after all, she is happy to be reunited with her wife, but also Chris is horrible um, yeah. and things have been terrible. So Jamie, like... She wants to kind of get to the bottom and, and, and you know, have let Chris know the way she feels. But eh, maybe we'll have some good times first. So the good times uh, involve Jamie's apartment and some s'mores because um, apparently last time Chris was there, like Jamie didn't know what s'mores were and didn't know how to make them. And they couldn't get all the things, even though it's only three ingredients. <laughs> um, so they sit by the fireplace, watch some s'mores and kind of awkwardly almost kiss. They say it's like kissing a stranger. Uh but um, apparently things got better at, better later that night because they <sighs> dressed in – she said a unicorn onesie and I was like, I need to correct her because that's not what a onesie is. <laughs> like it was like the pajamas, the one-piece yeah. pajamas, the yeah. furry like things. They, it was a unicorn and I forget what uh, uh, um, Jamie Something was in. Something purple. They, I don't know. Yeah, it was purple. It was, they danced. It was weird. There was like a TikTok and a, and a Snapchat filters going on. It was like, <laughs> well, if it works for you. Okay, Uh, so the next day um, they go off to a pool because, you know, because Chris never uh, wasn't there for Jamie's birthday and she wants to make it up for her and have a birthday celebration. So Jamie's confused, concerned because it's cold outside and she's like, why are we going to a pool? It's cold outside, but it's an indoor pool and it ends up being this cool little like set up where it's like one little kind of a little pool but like a private pool just for the two of them inside this i don't know garden house or something with the hot tub and they jump in the pool and play in the pool and have a lot of fun and then have cake and all kinds of birthday shenanigans um then um it's time jamie kind of feels after they get changed back into their clothes feels it's time to kind of have that conversation with chris about all the things that have been happening so jamie wants to kind of just air all the grievances um she says she you know she feels like she wants to understand um chris's problems but also feels like she hasn't had a wife since she left and uh feels ignored and then um chris I don't know. This is a new excuse was I'm a mother first and I have to be a mom. Yeah. Um, which I don't know where that came from because also because both her of her kids son, are Because that's what she grown. was blaming. The, uh, whatever this is the new version of the story was she had yes. to stay longer because of her son. Right. Mm. And so obviously my kids come before you, which I mean, yeah. I do get if it wasn't like the fifth different story you've told. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, um, Oh, the other thing that that uh, Jamie had an issue with was that when Chris left, she, you know, said, don't worry about the money. And she supposedly was there for the money. But after two months of the five that she was gone, she just stops paying the rent and sending money down. And so that was pretty hard. So at this point, Jamie starts raising her voice and Chris just mm, just does the, the thing you're always supposed to do and just <sighs> says, stop. Calm down, lower your voice, or we can't have this conversation. Oh, gosh. And Jamie does not follow along, so Chris storms out of the room, just curse words, bleep, 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 bleep under her breath. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, I think it's been pretty well established as, you know, Team Jamie over Team Chris. But oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, do you think that this was a – this whole thing at the end with lower your voice, lower your voice when you talk to me was just a deflection because she knew she was in the wrong? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's got to be so difficult for Jamie because I feel like I've dealt with people like Chris. 
You know, it's like for sure you want to get information out of them. Right. You want to know the truth. And but at the same time, you got to like attract bees with honey kind of situation. So the Mm -hmm. fact that she can't bring up this argument when she first sees her. Right. And so instead you have to have like this awkwardness and Chris is like feeling it out too. like, how mad is this person at me? Right. Mm -hmm. And the moment Jamie is going to act mad, she's out. And so that's why Jamie has to almost like walk on eggshells, like pretending that things are okay. And then the finally the moment where she's like, okay, not that she's lulled her into this false sense of, you know, whatever, but she's just like, okay, she's in a good mood. Maybe she'll be more open to having this conversation. I didn't think that Jamie was uh, yelling at her. Was she getting very excited because she, uh, you know, was upset? Absolutely. Because that was it was just her talking fast. That was really what it is. And being like, right. no, no. I don't even know if she got that much louder, actually. And she was because she was specifically lower her vo- lower your voice. Right. Right. And so it's just like all of that is just like Chris is such a pain in the ass to have to deal with. It's like there is no condition in Chris's world where you can actually have this conversation with her. That's what it is. Bottom no, line. Because she's because she knows she's wrong. Yes. And she doesn't want to come up with these excuses and she right. well the increasingly bad excuses. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing too is it's also that's also a power play, right? Yeah. And that that's why Jamie reacted to it too when you say lower your voice. That's what a that's what a parent says to their child. <laughs> right? That's what it, it's asserting dominance in a situation. If you were getting reamed out by your boss at work, you can't say lower your voice when you talk to me, sir. Like, yeah. no, that's not going to go over. That's not going to be acceptable. Right. Right. And so it's definitely a it definitely is a little bit of a subtle like, listen, no, 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 no. You're not the one who gets to yell at me. I get to yell at you and you can take it. Right. Yeah. But yeah. It also change the parameters of the conversation. Right. Now we're talking about you yelling instead of talking about me ghosting you for five months. Mm-hmm. And so it is just it's infuriating. And you said that at the beginning, you're like. I feel I do feel for Jamie because, as you said in the beginning, you've dealt with people like Chris before. Yeah, and I've dealt with people like Chris before. And for what I'm thinking of people is the people who always have an excuse, never get what mm-hmm. they need to get done. Right. And every time you talk to them, why didn't why? Well, I thought you were going to do this. Well, they have another excuse. I thought we we're going to do this. And what right. I can do with those people is never rely on them. Right. Yeah, I can, absolutely. Because I and I think the bigger issue is here is that Chris is an avoider of conflict. Right. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to have any kind of conflict. So if you start arguing with her, she's going to walk away. You know, if right. you know, she thinks that you're upset with her, she's going to prolong having to go back to Columbia because she doesn't want to go back there if she thinks that Jamie's mad at her. She doesn't want to deal with like that conflict. And those people to me are super infuriating because it's like they just make the situation worse by avoiding having this conversation. And then the person who's like upset just gets more frustrated that they can't uh, communicate like what is wrong in a way that will resolve the issue or make them feel better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess I think it's a little bit unusual because I usually, usually associate people who avoid conflict as when the conflict finally does come up, they just want them to get it over as quick as possible. And so mm-hmm. they just agree with everything that a person says. Uh-huh. Yes, That's you're right. I shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I no. wouldn't okay. necessarily take it for that because I, I've, like I said, I've dealt with people like Chris. Right, right, no, no, I'm saying. And so I, I yeah. think when I think of people who avoid conflict in my mm-hmm. head, I more t- I more tend to think of people like, and we'll see it later, people like Gabe, mm-hmm. right? 
who yeah. if you come for like Tammy's is like, okay, uh-huh, Shep, yeah, right, uh-huh, right. Right, okay, right. Okay, can we make this conversation over now? I'm just going to keep saying okay <laughs> and yes until this conversation ends, right? And that's when – that's how they get out of the conflict is by never actually – forcefully oh, making their could, side of the conflict or you could be like chris where she like literally runs away from the argument <laughs> right but she runs away in the argument in a way that's like she's wrong i'm yeah. right i yes. can't believe she did that to me like that she gets angry that you like, she blames the conflict on the other person oh sure and get, sure and, and it's forcefully like she yells at jamie all the time about like you're always yelling at me about this you can't let this go right she was she does have the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 explosiveness of the violence of the conflict, but just never wants to deal with the root issues of the conflict. Right, right. She wants to keep it surface level on, well, why are you yelling at me? You shouldn't be yelling at me. It's rude that you're yelling at me. Yeah. And make the conflict about that. Yeah, I mean, she's not my favorite person, but we'll <laughs> see that, I'm sure, in a month when we've had all of our tell-alls and our power rankings. I, I mean, I honestly do not see how she could possibly be lower. I could see how maybe other people, it's a race to the bottom, but... Oh, you know, yeah, certainly, there's certainly people who are, like, I feel like in some other seasons, she she might be the bottom, but we have some, we have... We uh, have some we pretty have some terrible contenders people. this season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, maybe a couple where, you know, they're a little bit higher on the list. It's probably Gabriel and Isabel. It's time to get married, and Gabriel is feeling sexy and ready. That is, after Gabriel trims his nose hairs. Gabriel is happy but surprised that marriage was in his future because he didn't think that marriage was realistic given that he is trans. While Gabe is on the couch, he gets a text from his sister Monica saying she's not coming to the wedding. It ends up that the night before, Gabe was out with Monica and her boyfriend when Isabel was running late. So Monica wanted to leave, and Gabe accused Monica of creating drama that's not there. And then Gabe felt that Monica was insulting their relationship and Isabel. Monica said that Gabe shouldn't be worried uh, about if his fiance was mad or not and was kind of trying to point out that Isabel is wrong. Gabe isn't going to take Monica's side. And if she chooses not to come to the wedding, that's on her. Isabel, in the meantime, has no idea that this drama is happening behind the scenes. Gabe doesn't feel supported and he's not sure whether to let Isabel in on the drama. He says, uh, his mom says that it's up to him to decide what he wants to do. She doesn't want to pick sides and they all know how Monica can be, as she says. Gabe feels like this was the thing he was waiting to happen since just this wedding was just too good to be true, as he cries. Isabel is getting ready for the wedding. She hasn't had much time to talk to Gabriel and her dad is comforting her. Her dad reminds her that this is a serious commitment for life. He says that the wedding is special for them, and he's happy about giving his daughter away. Mom has been sewing all the bridesmaids' dresses, and she pulled an all-nighter. Isabel says that she's been running around uh, doing errands, and she's just running a little late. There's still so many things to do as Isabel arrives at the venue. Gabe still isn't there, which is also stressing Isabel out. She isn't sure why he's not ready and there to help because she says all he has to do is shower and get dressed. She then sees a message saying that he's running late, but it doesn't offer an explanation. Isabel doesn't get what is taking Gabriel so long, so now she's getting mad. Gabe, in the meantime, is crying over, you know, Monica and all this drama. All right. So how bad of an argument do you think you really have to get in with someone that is supposedly your best friend at least from monica's perspective to not go to their wedding 
especially if this argument happened the night before. I literally can't imagine it. Like, right. They would. I don't. I, I would have to. They would have to have stabbed me or something. Like there would have to be <laughs> physical violence involved. Like for yeah. me to be like, I guess I can't go to your wedding now. Like, but just right. to be like, oh, like. Or you because, found I mean, out something that was like ongoing and like underhanded that was like deliberate and you just found out. Maybe I could see that. Okay. I mean, I guess if they, I guess if they like told me they slept with my wife or something. Right. <laughs> like, right. Well, and it was yeah. ongoing and deliberate. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't yeah. come to the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, yeah. So, something like that would, would probably be pretty, be pretty bad, but. Like, it seems the one that caught him was the one where she, he was like, I feel like you've ruined all of my relationships. Right. Yeah. And that was just that was the one that was too far for her, which is hard to tell because we don't know because we've only heard his side of the story. Right. Because this wasn't filmed. And so. This right. Is and just, we. Yeah. This wasn't filmed. It was all from his mouth. Mm-hmm. And he's not always the best at recapturing all the details of things. Right. As we've seen the way he explains like things that we've seen on camera to other people. And I was like feel like you could have done that better and left in some important context that would have made it make more sense. But okay, (laughs) you go with that. Yeah. So, yeah. I I I I, I feel like she's overreacting like a lot. But I I, also feel like, you know, the way he's talked about Monica and even him himself, you know, like it's who's going to kind of cave in, swallow their pride and be like, all right, I'll I'll come for the sake of the wedding. Yeah, but I mean, I feel bad mostly for Isabel that yeah. she's like, you know, has to do everything because he's laying face down in a bed. I know, right? right? Like, I, I yeah, that's the part I don't get because yes, I don't know what how, how bad of a fight and what kind of things I have to find out to not want to come to a wedding. I also don't know on the other side how much it would have to be, how bad it would have to be to leave my wife high and dry to do everything right. for the wedding in an hour and a half. Like that yeah. seems like. Like ridiculous, not to even tell her like what's going on and just be like, I'll be late. And she's like, where is he? What's going on? Yeah. I'm making all the like things. And so that seemed that seemed a bit dramatic for my taste. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, do you think Monica is going to do the last minute show up? Yes. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, to me, the way he talks about Monica and from what, kind of what we've seen about Monica is – I don't think she likes it when it's not the Monica show. Yeah. And this is a way to make it the Monica show. Um, yeah. Right. And this is to overreact and uh, fret to not come to the wedding over blah, blah, blah. And, you know, now everybody's worried about Monica. Who? what's Monica going to do? And right. she didn't like that. Like, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I also kind of feel like if this is really your best friend, like there's nothing life ruining about what was said in no, this argument. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's I just think I think it's weird that she keeps going back to. You're afraid of Isabel. Like, yeah, he was like, hey, can you guys stick around a little bit? Because Isabel is just done with the chores and she's going to come over and she's like, I don't understand why you're not with somebody that you're afraid of. It's like, what? What? I don't, I don't yeah. know. That seems like a non sequitur to me. How do we get from here to there? Right. Plus, I mean, in all that we've seen, it doesn't seem like Gabe's scared of Isabel. No, I mean, it definitely seems like he's scared of Monica. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I would say it's the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely scared of Monica. All right. So going to people who are also scared of their family. Let's talk <laughs> Jen and Rishi. 
So we start we start off with Jen and uh, her friends in a hotel room, kind of talking things over about what happened last time. They're all very self-satisfied that the meeting went so well and the engagement announcement was received so greatly. They should have just done this a long time ago. For coming up with this idea of intervening and doing this thing. Yeah. So now we're going to go get saris because that's the thing. And because they, (laughs) because Jen hasn't had a chance to talk to Rishi yet since that happened. So Rishi eventually comes over and, uh, you know, the one big sticking point that didn't go as swimmingly as she thought was talking about the um, joint living situation. And so that's what she mainly wants to talk about. So she kind of, you know, starts off telling him about like how she doesn't want to have her life on lockdown and have to take care of this whole family with all her time and all her money. Um, and she's worried that he's going to change his mind. So then Rishi starts saying like, well, we can have all kinds of compromises. Maybe you can live down the street or in the same town or you have to live in the same house and do everything to it. Um, you know, and you know, that that's, you know, says that that's what, what the family was talking about. So she says that that feels like a prison, like still, like uh, it's personal, but he's like, yeah, but my family really can't live without me. And um, so anyway, Jen is worried that Rishi is just not serious about this and that there's no way that his family will even accept that her living down the street or in the same town. Um, but, you know, um, that all doesn't really matter because then Rishi gets to the most important part where you know, he said that I did tell my parents about your age. Oh, gosh. And she's like, well, did they say <laughs> they weren't totally into it? They were <laughs> like really great. And she's like, well, what did they say? Did they say they don't approve? And he was like, yeah, that's exactly what they said. <laughs> no circumstances. This is a flat no. So then calls this ridiculous and seems shocked. So Rishi says that his parents' change of heart, like it came right away as soon as he told them the age and it just became a no. So Jen is upset, not so much at the family, but at Rishi because she's like, this is all conversations you should have had before you proposed to me. Like, will I be allowed to marry this woman? Should have been handled before we proposed. So what are we doing here? You should stop wasting my time. She even goes so far as to take off her engagement ring, but saying she's not going to be in a relationship for a man who's not going to stand up for her. But, um, you know, and and said that he would choose. And she said that he told her he would choose her over his parents. But then we get an interview to the cameras and he's like, no, I will always choose my family. Like between the two of them, like 100 yeah. um, percent. I'm not going to lose my he said, I'm not going to lose my family, but also I'm not ready to lose Jen. And it's like, well, sorry, buddy, you got two choices here. <laughs> so Rishi thinks he can smooth his whole thing over if he just has more time, which just kind of infuriates Jen, who's just like, you've asked for more time for three years. Like, yeah. it's it's done. You've had your time. Um, and then says they probably shouldn't be together. So she says it's it's not going to work out. And she, act, she asks him to leave. And then they say sorry to each other. And he kind of hangs out like a sad puppy for too long. Like, <laughs> yeah. she said leave, but he's still like, oh, I'm just, it's hard. And it, it's, oh, I'm sorry. And, uh. So anyway, Jen finally, finally says, no, seriously, you need to leave. You have to get out of here. I need some time to myself. So, you know, she she talks about how she kind of wishes things looked out. But now that she's looking at it, she kind of says that, that realizes that being them being together wasn't realistic. So she cried 
She cries about how she'll always love Rishi, but it just still wasn't going to work. So even though um, she now she's pretty much set, she's like not even thinking it at the end. She says she's leaving India. She's going home, broken heart, you know, but at least we tried. Um, so this seems like person number two that was like, actually, no, we're broken up now. And it seems this one seemed pretty convincing to me that it's going to it's going to stick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the only way it wouldn't stick is if Rishi's family was on board with it all of a sudden. But I think I don't see that happening because. No, no, because because it's going to be if he tries. Well, let's try it again, baby. She's going to be like, what did your mom say? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So if your mom didn't say anything different, then nothing has changed. So. Right. So I just don't see this getting back together again. But I do feel like the love is there. And so it is kind of sad that, you know, these other situations are preventing them from really pursuing a relationship. But I don't think those conditions are going to change. And so, yeah, I think this one's going to stick as well. You're right. Mm -hmm. Now, now the question I really had at this whole time was. At the beginning, like mm-hmm. he knew the big part of this conversation was my parents literally said no. Yeah. Right? They, that was that was the main crux. So why did he waste so much time at the beginning arguing about whether, well, maybe you could live across town. Or you don't actually have to live in the joint house. Why? would Why? Why are you talking about this? Right. I'm so it, just, it doesn't make any sense. Like that whole thing. I, I just don't I, I don't understand. It's like almost like he's. Maybe it's the lawyer side because I keep forgetting he is a lawyer. Oh, right, right. right. He has legal training, right. Right. Mm-hmm. That he's just arguing the argument that's right in front of him, right? And so, like, not necessarily thinking of the big picture, but I got to, you know, put off this the side of the argument. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I mean, get that would it be. I would be like, well, you know, maybe we don't have to worry about this because I do have something else to tell you. <laughs> like, right. Like, and, yeah. and yeah, because like, yeah, when the answer was no about where would we hypothetically live in this relationship, it's not going to move forward and can't possibly happen. But, right. I mean, but part of that goes with his parents. Like why she called him delusional. And I'd have to say she's right. What yeah. evidence does he have that his parents are ever going to change their mind? Uh, that his family's ever going to be okay with this? Which oh, we yeah. saw in the he preview kind of- that the astrologer is saying, no, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> I mean, he kind of did. And I think that was a little bit of a, of a miscommunication, too, because he was kind of saying, well, if we wait to the right time. Right. And she was like, you've been waiting for three years. But I think it was literally like you blew it by not letting me wait to the time that the astrologer told me to ask. Right. Like right. then it would have been fine. Yeah. Her dumb friends mess things up. Sorry, Jen. Yeah. They're dumb friends who were just so self-satisfied at the beginning. Oh, yeah. my God. They're like, ooh, we did the right thing. It's like, oh, gosh, <laughs> get out of here. All right. Uh, well, speaking of maybe trying to do the right thing, let's talk about Danielle and Johan. So, Johan doesn't want Talon to be a problem, Danielle's ex, so he wants to apologize to him. Johan is meeting Talon at a basketball court where Johan tries to show off a layup but fails. Talon is surprised to hear from Johan, but he's happy to get to know him more and show Johan who he is. Talon uh, basically schools Johan at basketball, and after they hug it out and sit down to eat. Johan apologizes for asking so many rude questions about his penis. He then asks if Danielle was controlling in their relationship, and Talon says Danielle is not submissive and she does like to have control. 
Johan says that sometimes he feels like he's not in control and likes it when they both give and take. He thinks that she likes to have it her way all the time, and he finds that disrespectful because why even get married? Talon says that there should be sacrifices from both sides. Johan tells us that he's tired of making changes and sacrifices. Talon doesn't think that Danielle will change for anyone, and Johan insists that if she wants to make it work, she's going to have to change. Later, Danielle and Johan want to have a serious talk about their relationship. Danielle says that there have been troubles for no reason, she thinks. Johan says that he likes Talon, and Danielle hopes that Johan doesn't treat all her friends the same way initially. Danielle demands an apology since, you know, he eventually concedes that Talon's a good guy. Johan says, what should he apologize for? Because she's the one who disrespected him by asking to hang out with another man on his birthday. Johan thinks that she puts her friends above him. Danielle thinks that when he gets mad, he does disrespectful things, like at his birthday and with Talon. Johan doesn't think that she uh, respects what he wants, and she just wants to do things her way. Danielle says that things he doesn't like are his problem, not hers. Johan says that she can be friends uh, with whoever, and Danielle says that she doesn't need his permission. Danielle says that she's done and she's had enough as she puts her hat over her face, and he takes it off. Danielle says she doesn't want to hear it anymore. Danielle says that she doesn't want this kind of experience for her life. She then grabs a floaty and runs into the ocean to float without Johan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this was like a very bizarre argument. Um, I think I know what they were fighting about, but then at the end I was confused why Danielle was running off. And saying she was done, like, do you think she meant she was done with the argument or done with the relationship? I think she meant she was done with the done with the conversation. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was like, what are you doing? Why are you just floating around like in front of Johan? I mean, I, 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 I do get it because she's a terrible, selfish person. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so I get why she was annoyed by like, stop telling me things that about what I need to do different. You're the one who needs to change. I'm perfect. My life is fine. You adjust to it. And if you don't let adjust to it, that's your problem. Like, that's basically the way she views this relationship. Yeah, I have to admit that I have not been the biggest fan of Johan. So it's easier to focus on how childish he behaves at times. Uh-huh. Like, even the things that she kind of brought up about him disrespecting her. Yeah, he troll. He literally trolled her. Like it was, it was both yeah. the birthday and Taylor. He was like, "I'm gonna troll my wife," and you yes. should not be trolling your wife. Right. Like this is right. not a good, healthy relationship. Yes. Yeah. So, I, like, I admit that it's like not that I ignore Danielle's faults, but it's easier when you have this person who's doing these like absurd things to almost kind of blame them for like, well, you're doing some pretty absurd things. Mm-hmm. Danielle, I feel like her what she's done wrong is a little bit more subtle, like in a relationship. Yeah, I mean, I think she thinks she's smarter than him, mm-hmm. right? And so she can control it. But I think, I think really what helped kind of helped me s- see kind of Johan's point wasn't when he was talking to Danielle. It was when he was talking to Talon. Yes, and asking right? about the controlling thing. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, sometimes I feel I'm not in control, right?" Mm-hmm. And then. When he talked to her about it, she was like, obviously, I'm in control. You're a dummy. 
I'm in control. I am, I live my life the way I want to live it. And you can't yeah. change anything about that. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's ridiculous. That's a, a, right. If you, that, if you want to do that, knock yourself out. That's fine. You can't yeah. be in a relationship with anybody else. Right. And Johan brought up a good point. Like, why did you even get married if that's how you feel? Right. That is not a, that is not a way a married person can live their life. Yeah. It, it, it's not. I mean, you, I mean, you could, you're going to get divorced because right. nobody, you know, you're, you're, if you, it just, it can't work. People change, people evolve. And when they change, you need to change with them. We need, you know, it needs to go. If you're just, nope, I have already decided that this is the way my life is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you must fit into my puzzle pieces perfectly. And if you don't, that is your fault. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. And it, 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 it's of a piece of her doing that nonsense at the cake shop. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get what I want. I, I know what I have to say. No, like, no, that's awful. That's an awful person. <laughs> Just right. I can't stand her. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know that I was I don't know. And I don't know what's triggered me more. Her just like insistence that the world revolve around her. Like not just that she yeah. even thinks the world revolves around her, but that she insists that it should revolve around her. Right. 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 Um, And that bothered me more or um, Johan's basketball game like (laughs) (laughs) yeah his was pretty bad it taylan was really well he was funny because i think i'm sure taylan was right taylan was like yeah it was close that's because he wasn't really following the rules right right. (laughs) i was i was like oh he's like gracious right he just like went along with it because i don't think taylan gives a crap i believe the score was close but we even saw him do it like oh yeah if if you're if you're playing one-on-one and you shoot the ball and you miss it the other person has to take get the ball, get the rebound, and go back behind the free oh, throw yes. line before yes. they can shoot again. Yeah, like, and he was just sure. shooting like rebounds back. He was like, "Okay, I guess that's two. Yeah. I guess that's two to one. All right." Well, that's what I was saying. Like Taylor was being pretty gracious because I don't think he really cares, right? But Johan probably takes that as like a point of pride, especially because he sees like Taylor as being a professional basketball player. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I did really good. A guy held my own against this guy. But he's yeah. like, yes. Anytime Taylor wanted to score, he was like, I'm scoring now. <laughs> right. Um, what I was going to say is that, uh, you know, I think it's very interesting that if you look at Taylor and Johan, it's like they are younger men. And I think mm-hmm. Danielle, it's like, what would happen if she kind of met her equal and i don't want to like imply that they're not her equal but i mean like in terms of you know like where they are in life like you know because johan and Taylor both kind of seem like they're figuring out their uh work situation their financial situation you know they're not exactly established and it's nothing you know against them they're just young you know it takes some time to get that way And, uh, you know, because Danielle, she does control things by controlling the finances, right? Mm -hmm. And making decisions that way. And, you know, if she were the one who was more dependent on someone else, but I I just find it interesting that she chose people like Talon and Johan because I feel like it does give her control. Oh, my, that's not interesting. She absolutely did that. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no way she would date somebody like me. There's no way she would date somebody who needs to not needs to, but has the means and logic to actually assert their own control. Like, yeah, she definitely seems like the kind of person I might, um, you know, let's say I I, let's say we matched up and went on a couple dates after the third Mm -hmm. date when she was like, why don't you come to my place? I'd be like, are we ever coming to my place? And she'd be like, no, absolutely not. Because Danielle would be upfront about that. She'd be like, no, absolutely not. I like my place. We're coming to my place every time. And I'd be like, all right, it's been fun. 
Like, <laughs> that, uh, like that's that's where it would stop, right? Like I'm yeah. not gonna put up with that crap. Right. Like right. everything's my way. It is never your. It's your way only when your way happens to co- coincide with what my way is. Like yeah. I'm not gonna do somebody. Who, like she makes it a point of pride. Like that's something to be. That it's something admirable that she'll never compromise. Right. Like that's not admirable to me. That's actually awful. Yeah. Yeah. And today I think it was a little bit more obvious to me, you know, Danielle's faults. And part of it has to do with I was just talking about how absurd Johan, the things he does is Danielle Mm -hmm. running into the ocean with a floaty was absurd to me. Yeah. That's the thing is her running into the ocean with the floaty while saying like, it really bothers me how immature Johan is. Now, right. here's my unicorn floaty that I'm going to run away and put my hat, my, my, my hat over my face. Well, the hat over the face, too. That was literally <laughs> what the what the lady everybody hated from Love is Blind. Arena did the same thing. She was oh, like, oh, you're yeah. talking to me. I'm going to put my hat on my face. Like, it's extremely disrespectful. Right. <laughs> yeah. Super ridiculous. All right. So we didn't hear from Nicole and Mahmoud. And so out of the group we saw this week, uh, Stoon of the Week. I know it was a little harder to come by. Um, I said around. Debbie. Okay, mine was Debbie too, but I feel like hers was glaringly obvious. Everybody else was like, meh. Yeah, I mean, Debbie was good. I was like, good for yeah. Debbie. Like, that is how you should handle that situation. Exactly. Like, I, you probably shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place, but given that we're here, you did the right thing. Right, right. Okay, so then maybe a lot harder, uh, Dunce. I said Danielle. Okay. Like, that just that just her entire thing. Like, and I feel like, We've seen it from her, and I didn't watch the the you know Love in Paradise or whatever. So this is the the season's the first time mm-hmm. I met her, and I feel like at this point in this season, it's the first time she's truly articulated exactly how she wants this relationship to go, and exactly how she thinks the world should work. Yeah, and that was like it's kind of we we've seen flashes of it before, and now she just like laid it all out, and I was like, that's disgusting, that's gross, I don't like you. Right, right. Um, I am going to go with Chris, even though Danielle is very yep. deserving of it this but, week. Yeah, yeah, can't yeah. deny Chris either, for sure. Right, but Chris just like almost like running away, like la la la. I don't want to hear it, la 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 la, and then just lying, like all the lying, and just it being awkward because she doesn't want to confront like the elephant in the room she just wants everything to be happy time you know and it's just like making up another excuse why she didn't come back it's just like you're just not believable at this point no it's not believable and it it is infuriating it's like we can't even have this conversation without you just storming off yeah like yeah how how can you and it's like one of those things like if we can't figure this out we're gonna have to break up and then her first thing she does is storm off it's like yeah okay well not All leaving right. it much there. Okay, bye. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. What about your life lesson? Uh, so my life lesson is, uh, and I've I've definitely had news that made me kind of, you know, let's say as depressed as Gabe looked when he was just mm-hmm. sitting in the room. Mm-hmm. But like, the best way to kind of move past that or work on it is to actually just get up and start doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. Right. And there was a lot of stuff that needed to get done. Right. Was is because um, that's my that's my is he really going to say I'm not going to get married to Isabel now because Monica's mad at me? No, he's not going to do that. Then he should go get rid of it. Yeah, you got to put in your yeah. suit and get things figured yeah. out. Uh, mine is also inspired from their wedding scenario. Um, just when it comes to weddings, like unless there is something that you got to think about 
am I going to care about this argument a year from now? You just have to go, you know? Yeah. Like, I I feel like at one point I was thinking about not going to my sister's wedding. And I feel like I would have had so much regret. And it's like for people and I know that this is difficult because they the argument is fresh. And, mm-hmm. you know, at least my argument was like months before. So I definitely had time to think more about, OK, is this kind of argument going to matter a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Is she ever is she always going to look back on this important date and feel like I didn't support her? You know, and so I feel like same thing, like you should just go, you know, and right. If you yeah. want to be mad about it after, be mad about it after, but just go to the wedding. Well, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand with the old adage, like, you know, you you tend to regret the things you didn't do, not right. the things you did. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So next week, it sounds like we're going to have kind of a split episode. Yeah, it um, sounds like we're going to have an hour of episode and then an hour of tell all. And I assume yeah. that there'll be another tell all episode following that would be my right. assumption. Yeah. So I think we've really only wrapped up the storylines of Debbie Osama, um, Jen Rishi, Jen Rishi, and Nicole and Mottmoon, possibly. No, we definitely have some of them next week. Okay. All I right. I feel like so, I saw them in the preview. Yeah. So we have a few more couples that we will see again next week, and then we'll see everyone at the tell all next week as well. So mm-hmm. until then. All right. See everybody then. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.